We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen, and I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we are continuing our 49ers position previews. We have three left. We're going to go defensive line, linebackers, and secondary. And that will take us up to training camp, which opens next Tuesday. We're recording this Tuesday, July 19th, so just a week left until training camp. Got a tiny bit of news to get to first, so we'll get into that and then get into the defensive line. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Not necessarily news, but just putting stuff in the atmosphere to talk about on Instagram more than Debo Samuel. I guess. So are are you are you talking he about his trainer his, he, saying he's going to get paid soon? Okay, well there was that, but he also posted on his Instagram story um, his 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 arrival at SFO. On oh, Tuesday. exciting. So he's in the Bay Area. Your thoughts? The, the Bay is in the area, as some might say. Um, I don't have any thoughts. I don't think it matters at all. I don't think Perfect. it matters. Good guest content. I don't think it matters <laughs> that his agent said he's going to get paid soon because that's been the assumption all along. I don't find that it's any more likely or less likely that he's going to get paid because his trainer went on Instagram and said that he's going to get paid. Um. <laughs> what if I mean, that's what's swamping the hoarding owners? <laughs> oh shoot. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's 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 content. I get it. People get excited about trainers saying things about their guys, and people like watching athletes work out on the internet, apparently. But Madden ratings. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Madden ratings. Um, we can talk about that if you want. <laughs> but no, I mean no. <laughs> Do I expect a Debo Samuel to eventually get done? Yes. 
do I think it's going to be as easy and um, as a lot of people think it is? I think I'm in the minority on this. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's I guess there's a reasonable chance that they come to an agreement before the start of training camp. And I would say there's an equally reasonable chance that this drags on drags on a little bit longer. So um, Debo Samuel being in San Francisco, I guess that's where he should be. And I guess it's a positive sign that he's not somewhere else. But right. So that that was that was the takeaway for me. Obviously, it doesn't guarantee anything. It doesn't mean anything. But when you start stacking up everything that's happened since his trade request a week before the draft, when you start stacking up all the kind of things that have, have happened since then, and they're all little, right? They're all they're all things that by themselves are insignificant. It's, oh, we refollowed the 49ers on Instagram, which again, you might be listening to this and going, that's stupid, it's just Instagram, but he does that stuff with a purpose. Like it's not, it's not a coincidence that he unfollowed the 49ers and then requested a trade. So does again, does it guarantee anything? No, but between that showing up to OTAs and then participating at the level that he did in OTAs, his Brandon Ayuk posting that uh, that thing on Instagram about him and Debo being the best wide receiver duo returning and Debo co-signing that. I mean, again, individually, these things are all like, so. But when you start adding those up and juxtaposing them against a trade request a week before the draft, it's like, okay, maybe Debo doesn't know what the hell he wants and he's just flying by the seat of his pants and that's what this is. But when you take all those things and add on the fact that he arrived in San Francisco a week before training camp is set to start, it's it's all signs pointing in the right direction. Yeah. You could also make an argument that all of this stuff is pointing to the initial trade request being kind of ridiculous. Sure. <laughs> sure. I don't know. I, yeah, we'll see. I, I We will see. I don't have information one way or another other than I just have a, a strong feeling that it's not going to be as easy as a lot of people assume. So, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but um, you know, I'd love for Debo to just sign a contract so we don't have to talk about it anymore because it's a tough thing for us to talk about because all we do have is social media stuff, which is mostly pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'd love to get, I, I, I want to hear Debo Samuel talk on the record about it. That's what I want. Sure. Cause I have yeah. questions. Yeah. And whenever he does get a contract done, he'll talk to the media at some point. And hopefully we get those answers. Hopefully. No guarantees. No, there uh, Ian, are not any guarantees that we're going to get answers. But Before we get into the defensive line, Ian Rappaport also reported on Tuesday afternoon that Jimmy Garoppolo met with Dr. Neil Elatrash, who did the surgery on his shoulder. Everything's progressing well. He expects to be cleared by mid-August. So that's now what what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo. There's zero clarity on that. But we now have more of a timeline because I don't think anything's going to happen until he is fully cleared and able to pass physicals by both the 49ers team doctors and whatever other team doctor is going to evaluate him. I think that's actually good news for the 49ers because it gives a couple of weeks for teams to see what their quarterbacks look like. Like maybe Seattle or, or Cleveland gets a look at Jacoby Brissett and goes, Ooh, this is not it. Or the Geno Smith drew lock quarterback competition goes the way we think it's going to go. And Seattle's like, we will give up a third rounder next year just to have something competent <laughs> under center. 
So it gives time for that trade market to develop that that doesn't probably exist as of July 19th. Yeah, I just wonder what's going to happen in the meantime. Right. Like are the 40 I'm I'm guessing what's going to happen is the 49ers are just going to tell Jimmy Garoppolo to continue rehabbing in Southern California on his own and away from the team. Um, because anything else would just create a massive distraction and sort of upset the status quo that the team has been operating with throughout the offseason, which is Trey Lance is the starting quarterback and is doing everything a starting quarterback would do during the offseason. Right. So um, they don't care about the discussion like they they've made that clear over the last few years that like all the outside quote unquote drama um, that people talk about on Twitter or various reports coming from all over the country about, you know, who the, the fact that they're going to draft Mac Jones or whatever, like they don't concern themselves with whatever outside narratives exist. So they're not concerned with the fact that people are like, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the roster. What does this mean? Does it mean they don't have faith in Trey Lance? No, it doesn't mean that. It means they're waiting for a trade market to materialize because they'd rather get something for Jimmy Garoppolo in a trade than cut him for no reason or cut, not for no reason, cut him to get and get nothing in return. So we'll see. I mean, I ultimately think it's not, it's not ideal, right? Like you ideally would like to have Jimmy Garoppolo ready for the start of training camp because now, I mean, this sort of explains why teams haven't been bending over backwards to trade for him because it's tough to trade for a quarterback who isn't going to be fully cleared and ready to throw until midway through training camp, essentially. So that's, what's problematic. And that's why, you know, it's just another reason why it seems like the arrows are pointing more toward the 49ers releasing him than getting anything worth trading for at this point. Right. Unless in the first couple of weeks of camp, a quarterback goes down for a team and they're desperate, but yeah. um, Fingers crossed that doesn't happen because we want everybody in the NFL to be healthy. No turn injuries off. They suck. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's get into the defensive line. So we've been doing our position previews. If you've missed those, go back and and check the feed and and listen to those. We're just kind of been going position by position and answering the questions. What's the most interesting thing at this position? Are there any position battles going on? And then is the 49ers depth good or bad at the position? So defensive end and defensive tackle, very different, but we're lumping everything together for the purposes of, of this discussion. I think that this group has the chance, at least from a perception standpoint, 
of being the 49ers best defensive line of the Kyle Shanahan era. Really? Yes. So you had you said you had a hot take before the pod and you didn't tell me what it was. And that's the first mm-hmm. time I've heard that. That's very interesting because I think far and away to this point, the 2019 defensive line has been has been Correct. the best. Because Correct. you had DeForest Buckner at the peak of his powers. You had Nick Bosa, who was excellent as a rookie. Season. Um, so, and you still had D Ford, who, even though he didn't play a lot, was still very impactful when he did play. Okay. I totally. And that's why I said I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the metrics all say that 2019 was better. But this year, you're going to have, and this, this comes from the fact that I'm, that I'm high on some of these players. You have third year Nick Bosa. Right. You have Nick Bosa, who could very well be in the defensive player of the year conversation. Potentially contract year Nick Bosa. Correct. More or less. Correct. You have Samson Abukam, who over the second half of last year, like really fell into his role. He finished the year, Pro Football Focus has him down for 10 sacks over the, the 20 game regular season and postseason. And I think it's seven of those came over the second half of the year. He really found his, and he was more consistently productive in the second half of the season. So he found his feet. And I think he's going to be a more effective player for all 18 weeks this year than he was, than he was last year. I think Drake Jackson is going to be a really, really good player. And when you watch him at USC and talking to people who, who cover USC football, his role with the Trojans was all over the place. And it was his lack of statistical production was never, was never really him necessarily as much as it was coaching staff changes and his weight fluctuations and being moved around at different positions and having his responsibilities changing. And it's impressive that he was able to succeed doing all those things. But I think with the Niners, it's going to be an opportunity for him, especially in his first year, to be a rotational edge rusher where it's just, dude, you're big, you're athletic, go get the quarterback. And then you add on Javon Kinlaw, which is obviously a question mark, but let's assume he's healthy. And at least if he's passable, if he's, if he's good. Um, next to Eric Armstead, who, as we've seen at defensive tackle, he's, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but he's, re- he's really good there. Uh, especially against the run, but when he has an effective edge rusher next to him, we saw, I mean, we saw it in 2019, uh, just how good he was rushing from the interior. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a big year from Eric Armstead, who also, as we talked about on this podcast, played his best football down the stretch last year. So playoffs. Yeah. So I, I really, I just really think that there's a chance that Ebukam, Armstead and Bosa are all just really, really good sprinkle in Drake Jackson, you get Javon Kinlaw back, and suddenly you're looking at a team that has four or five guys up in that six-plus sack range. Yeah, it, I think it's certainly possible. I think it's it's a bold take by you to say that this group could be better than the 2019 group, but there is there is a roadmap there, I think. I think Armstead could be a lot better than he was in 2019. Mm-hmm. I think Bosa could be better than he was in 2019. I don't think Kinlaw is ever going to be DeForest Buckner, but I do right. think I, yeah. Kinlaw is is a very talented guy, 
and a very physically gifted guy. If his knee is as healthy as he's been saying it is, um, then, you know, I think he has a pro bowl ceiling, but you know, who knows if he gets there, right? Like we don't, we have no idea if he's going to get there. If he does, then I think you do have a really good chance. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the depth question a little bit later, but you do have Kerry Heiderback who led the team in sacks in 2020. Um, you do have Kimoko Torre, who's like an actual NFL edge rusher along with Drake Jackson. And you have Jordan Willis and you have Charles Amenahu. like these guys are all NFL players. And the thing that really stands out to me too, about the defensive line is like, you know, they're probably going to roll into the regular season with nine or 10 guys on the 53 man roster. And there could be like two or three guys that they cut that end up on 53 man rosters elsewhere that they can't even get to the practice squad because it's just that deep of a group that they have. Um, And you have arguably, you know, one of the best defensive line coaches in Chris Kasurik pulling the strings there. So, yeah, I, it's definitely top to bottom, the best position group the 49ers have. I think that's fair to say, right? Ooh. Yes. 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 Just because it, like it's a lot of like NFL I, players and you feel... Yeah. I mean, the they fact are that NFL like players. the the fact that it's you know you're gonna have Charles Menahu and Jordan Willis who were like part of the rotation last year, who now who were like part of a rotation of a good defensive line, who now are battling with Kamoko Torre, Drake Jackson, and Kerry Hyder also who are in that mix. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's if the 49ers are healthy and they're obviously not going to be the entire season because nobody ever is, but it's going to be hard like i it's it's going to be hard to envision them going into a week where they don't have a big advantage just from a depth perspective as far as like keeping guys fresh and that's why so that was the big thing in 2019 when d ford got hurt and they started getting banged up on the defensive line their depth wasn't great and you saw that production because remember they got off to that start where they were just a historically great pass defense. It's like they had like five weeks of a hundred or fewer net passing yards or whatever the, the stat was. It was insane. But that slowly started to fall off as they got banged up on the defensive line and the snap count started to climb a little bit where they weren't as fresh late in the games because that's, that's in the early part of that season. They were just relentless for four quarters. And you could see that taking a toll on offensive lines. So that's that's the other thing. You talked about Kerry Hyder, who led the team in sacks in 2020 when Nick Bosa was out. Right. Now possibly being in a rotational role, which is what they brought him here for. He's had his two best seasons under under Chris Kosurik. You get Kamoko Toure, a formerly not blue chip prospect, but a was he, second round pick. A former, a former early round draft pick who just couldn't couldn't get his sea legs with the Colts, had some injury problems. And we've seen the 49ers find guys like that and, and have success with them. Kerry Hyder's one of them. You had Arden Key last year, but a really, really nice year for the 49ers. They, they have these reclamation projects and they've had success with those. And I just really wouldn't be surprised if, they're rolling out, like you said, if they're just just for four quarters rolling out new guys where Nick Bosa is not playing 
you know, 95% of the snaps. He's, he's getting to keep his legs fresh and he's getting to take some plays off. And it just, when you start doing that again, do they have a DeForest Buckner? No. Do they have a player with, with D Ford's pedigree, not on the edge? No. But when you start combining all those pieces and you start looking at their depth potential and what Chris Kosturk has been able to do with these reclamation projects and turning them into, into effective players. Now, now that's where you start to get, you start to get a defensive line that by week 18, we're like, wow, this is, this is a dominant group that might carry him through a playoff run. Torre was the 52nd overall pick in 2018. Okay. And Drake Jackson was 61st this year, I believe. Yes. Just um, for context. So, Thank you. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, it's just a Ooh, super deep me. group. Agree. Yeah, yeah. It's a super deep group. Like, it's the strength of the team. John Lynch has made has made it very clear in everything he says when he talks about team building that it starts with the defensive line, and it's why this team has continued to invest so heavily in the defensive line, even though it had numbers. Like you, you know, the 49ers had bigger needs particularly with the way last season unfolded and some of the guys they signed then edge in the second round of this draft. Like you always want good edge rushers, particularly mm-hmm. if you can get them on rookie contracts because they can get so expensive. Like we're about to learn with Nick Bosa at some point, but they just are so hell bent on making sure that they have a good defensive line because it's basically their entire identity. And they do not want to go into a game where if they're banged up, they lose that identity because their entire defense, really their entire team is built on being able to control the trenches on the defensive side. So yep. that that is how this team is constructed. And I think they've done a good job at making sure that the strength is going to be a strength no matter what, because they do have enough depth there. And you make a good point too, in that like Chris Kasurik has been really good with guys who maybe have fallen under the radar a little bit and maybe Torrey is one of them, but it's a, it's a former second round pick who had five and a half sacks last year. Yeah. You know, like, that's, like, a, that's the thing is he wasn't, he was no disrespect. I promise. I don't mean this disrespectfully. He's not, he wasn't Dion Jordan or it was like, yeah, he's a former first round pick who's done nothing. Right. It's like, no, he's a former second round pick who's had some flashes, but just hasn't been able to put it all together, whether it's because of injuries or talent around him or whatever. Yeah, in 2019 and 2020, he only played in 11 games combined. Right. So it's an injury thing for him. But he played in 13 last year and had five and a half sacks. So, yeah. but that's the thing too. Like with all of the guys you have, you're insulated from some of those injury concerns potentially. Kerry Hyder has played four full seasons. Just as we talk about Chris Kasurik, possible... Reclamation projects. Kerry Hyder's played four full seasons. He has 20 career sacks. He's played seven years, four full seasons, 20 career sacks. 16 and a half of those sacks came in his two full years under Chris Kasser. Right. He has two and a half sacks in his other two years sons, Chris Kasser. I mean, in an ideal world, like you're not relying on Kerry Hyder to, to give you six no. sacks. But like the fact that he could be your fourth or fifth edge guy. That's like, yeah, that's, that's, you're in a good spot. 
his box score stats aren't going to be there, but when he's going up against a gassed right tackle in the third quarter, like you feel good about him winning that matchup. Right. Cause there are a lot of instances where, you know, like in the second quarter of a game, Nick Bosa will only play on third downs in during a certain possession. Right. So like, yes, obviously it's important not to have a big drop off when he's on the sideline getting a breather because you need him fresh late in the game. Like that's the whole point. Like John Lynch talks about coming in waves, right? Like it's not about playing Nick Bosa hundred percent of the snaps. It's about maximizing all the guys you have And the 49ers under Chris Kucerich have tip- typically done that with numbers by giving guys rest early in games or by having possessions where your top edge rushers only play on third downs or, you know, meaningful downs and whatnot. Like that's, that's what all this is about. Yeah. So the most interesting thing at the position to me this year is that depth. And I think you're right. I think, I think we're going to wind up seeing some of these cuts at the end, at the end of, at the end of the preseason where it's like, man, that's a, that's a good, that's like a high level player. Like that's a quality player that's going to go elsewhere. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that player have an impact elsewhere. But I'm really interested to see when the final roster shakes out who's who's left and what what ultimately their roles are. Because if it's Bosa, Ebukam, and and Jackson on the edge, you have we've talked about it. Omenahu, Hyder, Jordan Willis, Kamoko Toure. Like they have that's that's seven players. They're not keeping seven defensive ends. Right. So who emerges from that group? We know we know what what Bosa and for the most part Ebukam are going to bring. But what does Drake Jackson look like? And then what do those four other guys do in camp? What do they look like? And and what's the ceiling for this group? I think we're going to find that out throughout camp. And I'm really really interested to see what the depth looks like. And it might be that they end up trading guys, mm-hmm. right? Like they've done that before. Sure. Um, you know, they got Charles and who in a trade, but if he doesn't make the team now, like maybe you flip him for a six round pick next year or right. something. Right. So like these, that, that's the thing. That's another thing too, from a team building perspective is like they they could be so strong at the position that they could flip them into assets to use down the road. Yeah. Um, the most interesting thing for me is just Drake Jackson and what his trajectory looks like. Right. Because if, you know, there are people who believed at one time when he first got to SC that he would be a top half of the first round prospect. Right. And the way his college career went, which you alluded to earlier, you know, caused his stock to drop and the fluctuating weight, and the different defensive coordinators and the fact that his college production wasn't what many people thought it would be. But if you look at the traits, you know, he's 94th percentile in broad jump, 86 in vertical jump. Um, Just the explosiveness is something that really could stand out because Mm -hmm. that's really a focus for Chris Kosurik is just getting off the ball as fast as possible. And that's the thing that they really liked about D Ford was that they thought he was one of the best guys in the league when he was healthy at that. And if Drake Jackson is that guy and, you know, we don't know if it's going to be in a big role as a rookie or in a rotational role, but 
if he proves to be that guy and you know the 49ers are going to lock up Nick Bosa at some point eventually and Eric Armstead's under contract for a while and Javon Kinlaw's still on his rookie contract, man, the Niners' defensive line could be good for a while. Yeah. Right? So, Which is the goal, right? Yeah, that that's the goal. And, like, look, we're getting a contract year two from um, from Samson Ebukam. Yeah. Right. So like he might not, he might not get his next deal from the 49ers, but he's certainly going to bust his ass to try to get, get a big paycheck somewhere next spring. While the 49ers might just transition to Drake Jackson and let Ebu Cam go elsewhere and then get a, you know, conditional or yeah, a a compensatory, not conditional, a compensatory draft. There you go. The other thing I'm really interested to see is what Javon Kinlaw looks like. A, just physically, like what he looks like from a stature standpoint. But B, how healthy is he? How effective is he? Does he take some kind of leap from what we saw from him in his rookie year in 2020? I'm I'm fascinated by Javon Kinlaw as a player because the ceiling is the ceiling is ridiculous. Like when you look at just his physical tools, but the and honestly, some of the plays he made, that pick six he had against the Rams is his rookie year was that a player that size should not be able to make that play athletically. So I'm extremely intrigued by him. Not, not that I'm super optimistic because like we, we just, we have to see, like we have to see what it looks like on the field, but he had that ACL reconstruction surgery. He's been at the facility working out. If he comes out and is good, then the, 49ers defensive line being the best group they've had take would I think hold up pretty well yeah so I think I think ultimately the ceiling for Kinlaw is something like Fletcher Cox or um Akeem Hicks right like one of those like pro bowl level just mammoth dudes who you know is going to command a ton of double teams and Kinlaw could get there I think you know, what's I think what's equally worrisome as the knee is just, you know, how is he going to respond to adversity? How is he going to respond to when things don't go his way? How is he going to respond when somebody says something about him on the internet that he doesn't like? Right. Like that's proven to be the, that's proved. <laughs> these are questions that have proven to be worth asking. And so those are things that he's going to have to prove that he can get through. He, I think it's fair to say, and I think anybody in the Niners building would say that he has some, some maturing to do. Um, and if he does do that and he embraces what he needs to embrace to be a professional, then I think the sky's the limit for him. I think he could be a Pro Bowl type talent, a Fletcher Cox, a a Hakeem Hicks type guy. He won't be DeForest Buckner because DeForest Buckner is kind of a unicorn given how obscenely athletic he is. And he's DeForest Buckner is basically like a super athletic edge rusher in like a six, eight, 300 pound body. Right. He is a, he is one of the two or three best players at that position in the league. Yeah. I would say he's second. I think yeah, only, and, only Donald's better. Aaron than Donald. Yeah. yeah. So, so to, to put that ceiling on Kinlaw, I don't think is necessarily fair. Like if he got there 
in the next three or four years, it wouldn't be like jaw dropping, shocking. But I if also got to all that... pro Buckner level. Yeah, I would be pretty shocked. I think he could be really good, but like an all pro is there's like a pro bowl level. And then there's like another significant sure. jump to like all pro. Am I I'd be surprised for sure, but it wouldn't be like never saw this because we've seen the flashes. Yeah. He's a first round pick. So, so I don't want to put that level of like, Hey, he has to be Buckner because that was even when he got picked, it was like, Hey, he's not going to be as good as DeForest Buckner, but he's going to make 60% of what Buckner made. So if he can be 70% of the play, it was that kind of logic. So if he can be in, like you said, one of those guys, that's just, you know, he's going to play every down or every game and you know, he's just going to be disruptive. Like they would take that. Can he be a top eight or 10 guy at that position? Yeah. They would hundred percent take that. Yeah. And another thing that I think is, is potentially interesting is that we might get like a dominant Eric Armstead season. Yes. Right. Like that's, that's in the realm of possibility because I think one of the things that Armstead's had to do um, which might've hurt just his overall production has been having to play two positions right? He would play defensive end in base situations and be pretty good against the run. Um, but then he would kick inside and in pass rushing situations. And even when they were dealing with depth issues on the outside, like when D Ford was, was out of the lineup, Armstead played outside a lot. It's pretty apparent. And we've known this for a while, but it was very apparent based on the evidence on the field last year. Armstead is a much better player when he's playing inside full-time. And I have to think that the 49ers are going to embrace that with him this year and keep him in there the entire season, because that's really last year. Like that's where he took off. He took off after he started playing inside full time when they had injuries on the interior. And you saw that production come from him and he really peaked and played well in the playoffs with a bunch of key third down sacks in all those games down the stretch. There there's a chance that Armstead could be rounding into a zone like, all right, this is my position. He's probably at his physical peak right now in terms of like strength and what he's got to be in his mid to late twenties. I would think at this point, right. I don't know his age offhand, but like, he's a veteran. Like this is, this is all these factors are just pointing towards Armstead potentially having a career year. And if he does, with Bosa potentially being a defensive player of the year candidate and everything else we're talking about from the depth to possible, you know, breakout guys, like it, it's shaping up for Armstead to, to really take a substantial leap. And if he does, then like the Niners would be cooking with gas on, on defense. And I think too, he's growing, he's, he's landed in that leadership role and I think he's owning it a little bit more than he has in the past where he was, you know, alongside D Ford and DeForest Buckner and Richard Sherman and Fred Warner. I I think now he is elevated into that group with Fred Warner and Jimmy Ward where he's going to be, he's one of the elder statesmen on that defense. And I, he's 28. I looked it up. Yeah. So I just, I, I, I think he's, he's taken on a role and a leadership role where he views himself 
as a player they're going to lean on. Like he's not just a, yeah, hey, go line up and and just eat up some blocks and let everybody else do the work. It's like, no, you're you're a productive player on this defense. And he has to be if they're going to be successful. Like if he just has a mediocre to subpar year, that that hurts the 49ers a lot. Right. The, so the tone setter in that room in 2019 was DeForest Buckner. Like he right. was the leader of the room and Armstead was there with them, but Armstead is not like loud vocal guy. Right. He's definitely like lead by example type guy, but there's a certain step somebody needed to take with Buckner going elsewhere. And, and I agree with your point because, you know, Armstead is that guy. And I do wonder if Bose is, you know, going to be going to have an element of that um, as part of his growth process too, as he's entering his fourth season, because you know he might be the best player on the team this year, right? Like that wouldn't surprise anybody if Nick Bosa was the best player on the team. No, right. So, yeah, Armstead embracing that leadership role. He has two kids now, so there's there could be a dad strength element at play here. Is it a PFF you know? stat? Dad strength, eighty-eight point four in dad strength. I wonder what his Madden rating, his Dadden rating is. <laughs> what's what's his Dadden rating? Man, it's so funny. It, it, it's really just brilliant marketing by the Madden people. It's isn't unbelievable it? work. Hey, we're gonna drop these ratings daily during the deadest time of the year. I want someone to explain to me like what the exact difference is between somebody who's a ninety-three and somebody who's a ninety-two. The 93 is one point better. Okay, thank you. But like when you're playing well, the game, how does that well, manifest? A, it's like, oh in, man, a 93 would have made that play, but you can go at him because he's only 92. Right. Well, the, the insane thing is, I don't want to spend hella time on... Okay, real quick, let's finish up and then we can do this. <laughs> Position battles along the defensive line, yeah, everywhere. It's there. There's, there's going to be battles for roster spots. It's like I said, it's Bosa, Ebukam, Jackson at defensive end and then everybody's battling for roster spots yeah it's probably so Kalia Davis a six-round pick this year is probably gonna redshirt because he's coming off a, a leg injury right but I would think like only two of Hassan Ridgeway, Kevin Givens and Mo Hurst will make the team mm-hmm. so you know maybe one of those guys is gonna make it and I would think you know, Alex Barrett, uh, Jordan Willis, Charles Amenahu, Kameko Torre. One or two of those guys isn't going to make it. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. So, um, Drake Jackson's a lock, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to they're gonna have NFL guys that they cut. And, you know, maybe they'll be able to trade some of them for late-round picks. And maybe those guys will just go um and sign elsewhere but it's uh it's certainly a strength of the roster yeah so good depth or bad depth it's good it's really good we've talked about it being the best best position group on the roster they might have the best defensive line in the league they might yes it's not crazy to it's not crazy to think about i agree with that i mean i also think they might be the best defensive line the 49ers have had in the college Shanahan era so if they were the best in the league, it definitely wouldn't surprise me. I think it's possible. I think I'd be more surprised than you would be. I just, like I said, maybe not from a metric standpoint, but if you were like, yeah, Nick Bosa had 19 sacks and Ebukam had 
10 and Armstead had eight and a half and Jackson had seven and a half. It just wouldn't like, none of that would shock. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So I just think DeForest Buckner's like this generation's Bryant young, (laughs) right? You know, except Bryant young didn't get traded. Bryant young Mm -hmm. did not get traded. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Using that against him. Yes. Okay. Eric Arm or uh, DeForest Buckner's career has a blemish, mm. and it's that he got traded. Classic ring chasing. <laughs> Couldn't do Anytime it. Anytime you own. can ring tra- ring chase to a team with <laughs> Philip Rivers and then Carson Wentz, you do it. <laughs> no, uh, I'm uh, j- obviously joking. Love DeForest Buckner. Madden ratings, real quick. Yeah. I don't care. I don't play. I don't. I'm. I've consumed zero Madden rating content aside from just seeing people complain. Clicking about the post I've written. Right. Thanks. So uh, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't like some stand I take. This isn't me. I wish, I wish I had, I wish I played video games. I just, a don't have time or money to do it. So that's why I don't play video games. So I just want that to be I'm not like, I don't play Madden because I'm too cool for it. Like, no, I wish like heck I could, I could. So if we get it, you're married. Like, if Debo Samuel's still giving away PS5s, maybe he can hook it up. But <laughs> no, but the Debo Samuel 87 rating, I know, I know it works because they go, they go, these are the attributes. And when you're a wide receiver, we add up these attributes and there's some formula, and this is your overall rating. And I get the Debo Samuel from a technical standpoint is not like the best receiver in the league or anything. But how they don't factor the fact that he can also run the football. And how good he is at like he's not he wasn't in the top ten. He's a top ten receiver. He's a first team all pro. Right. Like are you taking nice Terry thing, McLaurin? Are you taking Terry McLaurin or Debo Samuel? I'm taking Debo Samuel. Um right. which I mean you're to your point, this kind of shows how silly this whole exercise is. It's so dumb. <laughs> But the nice thing about Madden ratings for anybody upset about Madden ratings is that they change. They update as the season goes. Right. I think they change weekly, don't they? Yeah, there's like a Twitter account and Chad Johnston is on there and he's like, that was a nice move by Debo Samuel. Your agility is going up two points. Right. So, you know, maybe those agility points and those route running points. Fingers crossed. Is, there, is route running a Madden thing? I don't know. Like I haven't played Madden in years, man. I haven't either. The, the, last, last... the last gaming system I had was a 360. I might change that, though. I might. I had get... a P- the last one I had was a PS2. And oh, I wow. think I had the Madden with Brett Favre on the cover. Is that right? Yeah. See, know. I'm the type of video game player who just loves to whoop up on the computer. Like, and yeah, no, I and all my friends, all, all my friends, not all of them, but a lot of my friends who play are like really, really good. And they get like ranked like nationally. And I'm just like, yeah, I'd get my ass kicked if I played against real humans. But like, yes. give me give me the computer on like Pro Bowl mode. And I like actually have fun and enjoy it because like I hate losing. And I'm <laughs> I'm a weirdo feet like who's super competitive. So if I'm Same. playing a video game and I lose, I'll be like hot for like a week. And I'm just yes. not pu- I, I don't in, I don't spend money on video games. To do You're not built like that. I'm not built like that. I'm built very much the same in this case. Not different. (laughs) (laughs) 
I have so, not built different. Yeah. So like if I play even like Call of Duty, I'm like, all right, let's put these Nazis on like stupid mode and just walk <laughs> around and drill them all in the head. That's is that's... that as opposed to the smart Nazis? <laughs> no, I mean let's let's like, you know, make it so tactically they're like stormtroopers and I can just go around and not have to worry about dying because right. You can just Aldo rain them. Yeah, you just kill Nazis and, and have fun doing it. Sounds great. Sounds like a great time. <laughs> and a good time was had by all. All right. I'm pro- I'm probably a, a 73 as a gamer. I'm a 41 as a gamer. Okay. I'm a I'm a punter that you put at quarterback. Mm. My dexterity is bad. I don't know the buttons. I'm I'm a nine year old, I have a nine-year-old. I have a nine-year-old golf game, so. I have a nine-year-old nephew who just there's this game on the Switch. I boomerang boomerang foo something. I don't remember but my nine-year-old cousin I'm like, or nephew. I'm like, yeah, bro, we can play. What are the buttons? I'm about to teach this little kid a lesson about video games. Just murked my ass. And I was trying not like, oh yeah, he beat me, but I wasn't like, no, I was like, Heather, don't talk to me. Ma, don't talk to me. Dad, don't talk to me. I'm locked in playing. <laughs> Just whooped my ass is very humbling. Yeah. Kids these days, right? Yeah, video games out of my bag. But I, I can I can throw it down on on the PGA Tour 2K game that came out. I played a lot of that of during course, the pandemic. Of course you have. Yeah. Classic. I'm a golf weirdo, man. So All that's right. a defensive line preview. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get we'll get linebackers and later this week, and then we'll finish up with the secondary, and then we'll have training camp content. Very excited. Yes, sir. Can't wait. Can't wait. Actual football. No more hypotheticals. It's going to be great. Nah, nah. There will just be hypotheticals with like evidence behind them. Yeah. And everyone's going to be in the best shape of their life. Everyone's going to be excited about the defensive line. Everyone's going to be excited about Trey Lance's leadership skills. Wow, Ray, Ray, Ray Ray McLeod might have a real role in this offense. He caught two deep balls from Nate Sudfeld today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Subscribe, rate, review. See you next time. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.